Welcome back to The John Morris Show, a podcast for freelancers, web developers, and online business owners navigating the chaotic world of technology and online business. If you're new to the show, be sure to visit johnmorrisshow.com to subscribe on iTunes, Android, and TuneIn, and find past episodes of the show. And last but not least, as a podcast listener, you can get free access to my entire curriculum of freelancing and web development courses with the exclusive two-month free trial of Skillshare that I can give you. All the details on how to get that are at johnmorrisonline.com slash Skillshare. Again, that's johnmorrisonline.com slash Skillshare. Now, let's get to the show. The John Morris Show. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm I'm feeling a little ranty today. Normally, I try to try to be motivational. I pre- try to be jolly guy and inspirational, and, and sort of put you in the push you in the right direction. But feeling a little bit ranty today. I, I sent out an email yesterday that I think ruffled some feathers and and got uh, got people got their hankles up. So I've been getting some feedback from it and. I wanted to talk about this topic anyway, uh, more in the podcast this week, but given the reaction that I've gotten, some of the things that I've seen, I definitely want to talk about it. So if you didn't see the email, what I talked about is the how automation is going to affect sort of the, and, and really it wasn't just automation, it's really more just technology as a whole, like how it's going to fundamentally, I believe it's going to fundamentally change the way our economies work in probably the next 10 to 20 years. And if you just sort of look at the like the big stat that I I, I threw out there is there's a study by, I, I think I said the World Bank, and I, th- I think I got that wrong. It's actually, um, there was another study by the World Bank, but this one was by uh, this company, the survey company McKinsey and something. Anyway, that the the study showed or or found that projected that uh, up to 375 million jobs will be displaced as a result of automation by 2030. Now, you know the the skeptic would immediately hear that and go, yeah, 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 study projection, et cetera, et cetera. And and I sort of agree with that, right? Like it, that stuff's sort of hard to do. But if you just kind of take a step back. And, and look at everything and what's happening in the world. Like, it's hard for me to to go down the path of there's not going to be just sort of massive fundamental uh, disruption in the next t- ten to twenty years. We are getting to sort of that precipice of where automation, AI, robots, that sort of thing are going to start taking over a lot of things. They already sort of have. But we haven't seen kind of the exponential explosion that I think we're going to see here very soon. And even in small things, right? We, we talk about the automotive industry. We talk about AI and, and robots and so forth. But even just pare it down to something really, really small. In the space that I work in, WordPress, you have you have Elementor. Elementor has kind of taken over the the industry the page building specific part of wordpress but even just the site building more and more you are seeing people that you're you're seeing developers who offer services where they're they're building you a site with elementor or with something like divi instead of hand coding the thing uh, out by itself and so those things are slowly eroding away at these other markets out there not that those markets still don't exist and people don't still still don't want things for that 
but they're eating away at, they're eroding it, they're making less opportunity. And that, you know, you could sort of look at Elementor as kind of this, uh, a type of automation, right? You're not actually writing the code, you're just dragging and dropping and so forth. So it's large scale, it's small scale, and I think it's just going to continue to uh, accelerate as time goes by. And so I think what people misconstrue and this is one of the things that I sort of get a little little ranty about. I had someone who commented when I posted the message on Facebook that said, oh, nice, you're using fear to, to motivate your audience. And I've just, uh, it always baffles me the people who like any negative emotion, right, they just is automatically bad, right? Fear, anger, any of these things. You probably know people in your life who talk like this or think like this that, if you're experiencing some sort of negative emotion or you're using some sort of quote unquote negative emotion in any way, then it's automatically bad. And that's the only analysis they do of it. But I told him what I'll tell you is that it depends, right? If, if the fear is legitimate, right? If we're out in the woods and a big hungry tiger comes walking walking through the forest and I use fear. Oh my God, there's a tiger run to motivate you to run. Is that automatically bad? Of course not. Or if, you know, someone steals from you or they hurt you or God forbid they do something to a family member of yours. Would your anger be unjustified? Would it be automatically bad? Now there's a whole nother discussion about whether you should let it eat you alive, whether you, whether you should indulge in all that sort of thing. But just the base analysis of, oh, it's this negative emotion, so it's automatically bad. I don't believe that way. If, if the fear is legitimate, then by, you should be using it to motivate you. You should be talking about it. And so for me, I think, again, if you step back and look at what's happening, there is some legitimate fear to be had there. Now, the thing that I think mis people misconstrue, right? People hear what they want to hear. They, they, they don't necessarily always look all the way through things. So what people misconstrue is that actually what I was writing about was the path through it, right? Towards the end of it, what I talked about was from all of this, I didn't say now from all of this disruption, the world will explode and we'll all die, right? That was not, that was not my, the point of the email I was saying, sending. The point was that from all of this disruption, there's going to be winners and losers, just like we've seen in the past, right? The, the Blockbuster lost, Netflix won, okay? Tower Records lost, you know, iTunes and Apple won and, and others, Right, So there's going to be winners and losers. The world's not going to explode. We're going to keep spinning and keep going. But there's always winners and losers. And the point is to see what's coming and prep yourself for it. And really the thing I was talking about more is less the automation thing. And more, I think, uh, I think people see that. They see AI. They see automation. And maybe, maybe understand that sometimes I think they go too far in what they say is going to happen with that, right? So sometimes I think it does go too far, the fear-mongering there. But the one that I think people are really sort of underestimating is 5G and VR. And specifically, I'm talking about sort of workplace environment. And when so let me just sort of give you what I see, right? 5G, if we look at 5G speeds, they're they're essentially rivaling what we have now in terms of 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 
broadband or, or in terms of actual hardwired in internet. They're supposed to rival those speeds and, and supposedly it's going to be a lot easier to implement because you don't have to bury all these cables and so forth. And so I just think of a, a small town of where I'm at right now. We have Sprint Towers here. We have US Cellular Towers here. And my phone internet is almost like the 4G LTE is almost as fast as the max speed that I can get through a wired connection. The only thing I can get here is either uh, satellite or or DSL. And the fastest speed that I can get is 20, 20 megabits per second download, two megabits per second upload, which by the way, <laughs> makes being a, a YouTuber and a video course teacher uh, a little more difficult. But when when 5G rolls out and you know it comes rolling through, there's already Sprint Towers, there's already US Cellular Towers, right? So all of these places, these rural areas like here, yes, it's gonna take longer, but it's eventually gonna roll out. And we're gonna have speeds that, when it comes to the wired internet, there's, I mean, I talked to the guy at CenturyLink about the DSL. There's zero plans for them making the internet any faster, doing anything more with the wired side of things. It's just too expensive. There's not enough people in a rural area like this. But if you can put up a tower and now you can get this large swath of of coverage and it doesn't cost you near as much, like I just think 5G is going to blanket the 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 United States at least and eventually sort of most of the world. And we're going to have internet speeds that are comparable to what you can get. I get I talked with my little brother about this the other day, right? When you transfer a file from you know, one place on your computer to another, and it's transferring across at a certain speed. When the the speed at which you can transfer stuff across the internet is close to the same as what you can transfer it on your computer itself, right? That's when sort of the internet kind of disappears, right? You stop thinking about it. You stop thinking about speeds because it's so fast. It's sort of like I relate it to the retina displays, right? Once we reach a point with the, we've reached, we reached a point with the retina displays and you can no longer see individual pixels on a phone. Like anything past that sort of has the, the law of diminishing returns sort of, of comes into play. Like we can't see the pixels with the human eye. So packing more pixels into it, 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 the amount of the value you get from that becomes less and less because you just simply can't see it right now. Maybe there's some, <laughs> I don't know, maybe there's something about the human eye where more pixels does mean something, but you get sort of the base concept. I think we're reaching that point with the internet. I think 5G is sort of that first step into that. And then as we evolve beyond that, it's going to become even more and more true in this sense to where the internet just kind of disappears. It's everywhere. It's so fast that you don't really realize it in terms of speed and so forth. And we'll really truly be in the, the, always connected sort of world. And so, again, I think people underestimate what that is going to do to the world around them, like how it's going to affect things. Um, along with that, then you also have VR coming along. And VR is going to be helped significantly by internet speeds being at, at that level. And so, I just I just sort of see a world where we're all sort of in our own little 
like our own little bubbles at our at our home and like you already see people you already see companies who are testing out uh, having their employees work from home. Some have gone well, some have gone bad. There's more, certainly more people doing it now than there are companies now than there ever has been. But imagine a, a scenario where, right, we're not, we're not communicating through a webcam. We're not dealing with connection speeds and all this. The, literally the internet runs as fast as we can think and we can hop on. We, we our boss can say, Hey, put on your VR headset and you put on your VR headset and you're like literally t- sitting there talking like with your boss as if you're in the room or with what Microsoft is doing with its, uh, I think it's the HoloLens or whatever, where it's like augmented reality around you and you like go down to Jeff's cubicle, virtual cubicle and be like, hey, buddy, you know, can you take a look at the TPS reports, right? So I think that's sort of the world that we're headed towards. Uh, Certainly the technology is going to be there. And so... Again, I think people, if you look at that, people underestimate just how fundamentally that's going to change things. And so I just think that there's a lot of disruption coming. We've seen disruption and we've kind of, I think, had a little bit of a lull in it. But now we're getting to another point where there's going to be there's going to be a lot more uh, and things are accelerating very quickly. And I think it's going to happen sooner than what people think now. It's very possible that everything I just described doesn't happen, right? I could be totally off base. However, I think we all can agree that whatever happens, something is going to happen, right? It may not happen exactly how I just described, but something is going to happen. We don't necessarily know what, and we know it's going to have a large impact. And that's why all of these estimations about job loss and all this thing these things are, are, are coming out because people see it coming. And I think sometimes people love to, it's, it's sort of confirmation bias, right? They love to stick their head in the sand because they're scared of that scenario. So they just sort of fool themselves into believing, oh, it's not going to happen. And then when it happens, you're sort of caught with your pants down. And I don't want you to be caught with your pants down. I don't want to see that first off, but you know, my, my job is to try and tell you what I think is coming and, and prep you and, and help you and so forth. So now the, there's a flip side to this, right? Again, everybody, people hear what they want to hear. And a lot of people that have responded to what I wrote yesterday have sort of focused on the negative side of things. And again, I, I, my point was pointing out that there's going to be winners and losers, so to just give you a flip side of this thing, I talked about the automotive industry yesterday and the the automation that's happening there. Well, that sector is losing, you know, those certain jobs, the the you call it the low skill labor jobs that are there. But at the same time, there are also studies that estimate that the auto industry that currently has as of January 8, 2018, has about 70,000 uh, engineers, but that's likely to grow to 1 million by 2020. So in this estimate, it was two years from when they wrote this. It's about a year from now to go from 70,000 to a million. So while one thing is going away, another thing is growing. And what I want you to look at, what I want you to analyze, don't, don't, don't listen to what I say, right? Analyze it for yourself and try and figure out 
where you need to be in order to uh, profit from this or, or survive this at a, at a very bare minimum. This, this transition, this is what happens with this sort of thing. I'm not one of those people that believes that technology uh, is bad for employment, it, it destroys employment. I don't even think AI and robotics, AI and robotics, what they're going to do is they're going to wipe out a lot of very low-skilled labor uh, on the planet, I'll say the United States specifically. It's going to wipe out a lot of low-skilled labor. Absolutely. You go back, you know, this was all this, this doom and gloom was the stuff that they talked about with the cotton gin, right? They said, oh, you know, this cotton gin is going to eradicate all of these jobs and this, that, and the other. And well, you know, we're still here. People have jobs, etc. Technology doesn't eliminate jobs in that sense. It displaces, right? It changes what you have to do. And I, I still think AI and, and robotics and automation, all that stuff, it's the same thing. It will eliminate a lot of low-skilled labor, but we're a long ways off from the point at which we have a, a sentient, like fully humanoid type robot that can literally replace our higher level thinking, right? We're still getting to the point of them being able to do to lower level sort of thinking and, and activity and so forth. We're still a ways off from, from the higher level stuff. And even then, it's debatable if 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 that's even possible, right? Are robots going to be capable of human consciousness, right? Like human consciousness is a different thing. So even that is debatable. So I, I just don't think that they're going to completely like eliminate the human race, not anytime soon anyway, but it will eliminate a lot of, of low skill labor. And so you just, you're not, you know, you're not, that's not a job you're going to be able to get. Right. So like, it's like, uh, you know, a job going out and picking individual pieces of corn for a farmer is not a job that there's a ton of availability for because they have combines and they just mow through it. Right. So uh, people aren't lamenting that. Right? I don't want to dig ditches. I don't want to do that skill labor. I would rather do what I'm doing now. So overall, it's a good thing. It's a benefit. It gets rid of labor that people don't like doing. And it frees them up to do things that they do like doing. But you have to, you have to learn the skills. You have to adjust. You have to teach yourself or, or go get educated or whatever. You, right? you have to adapt. That was one of, the things, one of the things that always gets sort of misconstrued about you know, the theory of evolution. It, it wasn't the strongest right it was the ones most able to adapt and one of the ways that you remain able to adapt is by paying attention by seeing what's coming and positioning yourself properly for what's coming and so that's all i'm trying to point out here and get you to do is just look at what you feel like is coming instead of worrying about it getting overly fearful and just being sort of locked in place and not being able to do anything or just completely ignoring it and acting as if it's not going to happen, paying attention, digging in, figuring it out, and figuring out how you can position yourself with your unique set of skills and talents to most be able to survive and thrive with what's coming. That's the point. Now, I made the point, I, I think what I get flack for is, you know, I sort of made the point that with all of this happening, that 
you know, it's even more reason to start start doing your own thing. And I promoted my my beginner's guide to freelance course. And you know, I get this a lot. People are like, "Well, you're just saying that because you have a course, right?" I I would talk about how I don't think PHP is dead, and I would also promote my course. And well, you're just saying that because you have a PHP course, or I would say how I don't think Upwork is like this evil company. And well, you you have. I'll I'll, I'll just say this. There are about a thousand easier ways to promote a freelancing course in this example than going on and ranting about predictions and AI and dystopian futures <laughs> and having half the people listen listening to you thinking you're a loony bin. There's about a thousand easier ways to sell a product than that or you know, when people, when the trend is to talk about Node and all this fancy stuff and everybody's out there, like, that's what everybody else is doing. And if you even mention that, well, I don't know, I don't think PHP is going to die quite that fast. You just get attacked, right? There's a lot easier ways to sell uh, your stuff than that. But I think I've sort of earned the leeway that I, I'm willing to tell the truth even to my own detriment. Even if it's going to hurt my pitch for for my courses or what I do, I've been willing to do that all along. And so, it, it, yes, I I think you should I think you should freelance, right? With all of this happening, the idea of relying on a, a big company out there, or even worse, a startup that isn't an established company, relying on them for your livelihood. There's a reason I moved. To Missouri, there's a reason that I don't have a mortgage. That the land we live on bought. That even though it's been, it's frankly, it sucked. It's been not fun, you know, doing what we're doing, building a house, not taking out any loan, paying for it in cash, so that I own it, right? Living in this particular area, which is a very small town, um, and very rural. But there are access to a lot of natural resources around here, lumber, water, all these sorts of things, right? There's a reason why I moved and did this particular thing that I did here. And it has to do with me actually believing what's coming and me getting to the point where no matter what happens, I can sustain my livelihood, right? When this is done, I'll be at a point where I will literally need nothing outside of what's done here. Uh, outside of what's on this land that we're on, right? We're, right now we're building a house, but eventually we're going to have, we're going to get into, and we have electricity from the city and water, but eventually we're going to get into solar. Eventually we're going to get into collecting ground and, and rainwater and purifying it ourselves. Eventually, you know, we have chickens, we have some rabbits, but eventually uh, for, for food, but we're also going to get into cows and sheep and all these different things and learning how to do like that's all coming down the line. And eventually I will need nothing outside of the land that I live on here in order to survive. Not because I'm some doomsday prepper, but looking at the potential of what might happen down the line, I'm not going to put my kids like I'm not going to I'm not going to risk that. I'm not going to chance that. So again, I think you should freelance simply because you own it. It's yours. You're not relying on somebody else for your livelihood. That's the reason why I freelance. That's the reason why I push it so hard. 
Uh, and I do think my course will help you to do that. I know it will because people have, have, have taken it and, and had success with it. But that has nothing to do with what I actually see happening in the world and, and, and telling the truth. So take all that for what it's worth. That's sort of just a long winding rant for this week. Uh, next week, I'll hopefully get back to being a little more motivating and inspiring and informative and so forth. So anyway, I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can shoot me an email at podcast at johnmorrisonline.com. Of course, if you do want to take my freelance course and, and make that transition, for, the thing about freelancing is it's a it's a really good transition from what you're doing now to doing your own thing, uh, as opposed to trying to go and like, be an on you know build a course or this sort of thing because mo probably what you do right now I don't know exactly what you do but probably what you do right now you could take it and do it freelance and there's a market for it and so you don't have to learn a whole new skill you don't have to go back and spend a bunch of money getting educated or whatever you can just move over to start freelancing and you can start doing it on the side and build it up over time until you get to the point where you can leave what you're doing now and you don't lose any income. So you don't have to make take this big risk. Like it's such an easy transition if you just think it through and, and take it slow and methodical and, and, and go for it. So that's, that's why I say that. And then once you get in and you're on your own, then you can get into, oh, maybe I want to, you know, do, do teaching or maybe I want to get into running a, a selling products and, and that sort of thing. But freelancing is such an easy transition because, you know, especially if you've been in the workforce for any amount of time, you have, you have credibility, right? You know what you're doing, you know what your job is, right? And, and so you have something you can leverage and, and then take that to become a freelancer and start building your own thing. And you'll find that it's a lot easier to make a lot more money as a freelancer. It's hard at first, but you very quickly can start making more money as a freelancer uh, then you can like getting raises and you don't have to worry about all that. On average, freelancers make quite a bit more than people who work uh, a wage earning job globally, even even in countries where they don't have great economies, they still make more. So that's why I push it. That's why I think it's one of the ways through all of this, because you can adapt and move. You're not relying on some big company where you have no control. You have no say. So anyway, Again, if you want to, if you're thinking about making that transition, um, then I would at least go through and, and take a look at the course. It's free to take, right, over on Skillshare with the two-month free trial, right, johnmorrisonline.com slash freelance. It's free to, to take the course. And I go through uh, at the very beginning some of the reasons why you might want to freelance and, and give you some things to think about in terms of considering that. So even if you're not sure and you just are considering it, thinking about maybe doing it. It's good to get go through that course to go through that particular lesson, but also just sort of see the big picture. This is a big picture course that shows you the sort of big rocks that you need to take care of in order to build a business uh, around your freelance services. And you can get some idea if it's you think those are things you're going to be able to do. So anyway, like I said, johnmorrisonline.com slash freelance. That will take you to the Skillshare page where you can sign up for the two-month free trial. You do have to enter your credit card, but they don't charge it. And if you cancel before the two months is up, they never charge it. I've had hundreds, I would say thousands probably at this point. I haven't looked at the numbers, but thousands of people that have done that with no problem. You just 
set a reminder on your phone. <laughs> that way you don't forget and you take as many of the classes on stuff as you want uh, and you're good to go. So again, johnmorrisonline.com slash freelance. All right, that'll do it for the episode. If you liked the episode, I'd appreciate it if you'd head over to uh, johnmorrisonline.com slash iTunes and rate and review the podcast over there. That really helps me get word out about the podcast to be able to connect with more uh, people interested in this kind of thing. So, all right, that'll do it. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. The John Morris Show. 